Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. This is show number 114, released on June 25th, 2014. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me is my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scott. Hello, Steve. Hi, everybody. How's things? Things are well. How are things with you? Oh, you know, going pretty well. Just mm-hmm. had a few days off with the wife. Uh, nice. Little little vacation of sorts, so that was nice. Cool, and it's uh, summer there for you guys now. Yeah, uh, yeah, just a couple days in, but... Uh, Pretty hot during the days and still pretty cool at night, so I guess that's that's uh, good. Good. I'm sitting here with the heater on under the desk and my beanie on with about four layers of clothing, so um, I envy you. Well, I'm a little hot, and I got the <laughs> fan on. Hopefully that's not going to disturb anyone listening to the show. Oh, I, don't, I can't hear it, so uh, I think we're good to go. Well, there's been a lot happening this month. It's been a... It sure has. It's just Crazy. everything started to take off as far as... Uh, all these photos that we knew we'd see, you know, from the uh, on-location sets for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, we had, uh, off the top, we had a, a possible robbery sequence that was filmed. Um, it was a, a local store that had been uh, chosen there in, in Michigan to, uh, to uh, you know, be the, uh, the location of the, of the store. It was um, in Kigo Harbor. Um, a party store that was reportedly uh, used to uh, film this uh, robbery sequence. Yeah, sounds exciting. Little robbery sequence. I'm guessing it's going to be a Batman sequence because um, I don't know that Superman is uh, really into small time party store robberies, but mm. I guess he'd stop it if he was around. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of what we saw in Superman Returns when they had all those uh, news. TV news reports about him, you know, helping this, helping that. Uh, I think it was one place he was, it was a sto- little store that he helped the, the manager and then, you know, stopped to take photos, to shaking hands with the, with the guy. Um, who knows what it could be, but uh, interesting to see that there, uh, that, that was something that they filmed already. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, been want, I've been seeing these reports come out, and I'm always shocked. And I know we've talked about the amount of After Effects work that goes into it, but so far in advance, really having, you know, uh, this much filming going on. You know, uh, we're going to talk about the helicopter and this all this statue stuff. There's clearly a lot going on, and they must they must really have a big plan for the next two years to to where they're going to need all this extra time. Yeah, so um, it's uh, interesting to see that that was filmed there. Also, we see, saw these photos of this giant Superman statue that they were actually physically piecing together uh, there in uh, in Michigan. I think it was in Pontiac. This one was, um, and we'd seen this uh, well, a replica, a model with, uh, that you know someone had taken a photo of. It was posted on our Facebook group, and I kind of dismissed it at first because. You know, it was, oh, this is what the suit new costume will look like. But I thought, well, that's not what a, a costume model designer or a costume designer would use as a model to, de- you know, to design a new costume. But they would use that, you know, straight up normal pose that you would then be able to, um, you know, muck around with and design on. But this was more of an artistic kind of p- posture. And then it ended up being what we knew for what we later found out was the model for the large statue that they were actually mostly building in full size uh, on location 
and uh, we now know that that was used as uh, a, um, a thing that the mayor of Metropolis was dedicating uh, to Superman for saving the world. Supposedly, this new movie is set two years after the the um, end of Man of Steel, um, and uh, now that uh, you know the survivors have come forward, and uh, these kids were wearing t-shirts, and uh, it sounds all very exciting. That is exciting. I mean, I, when I heard about the statue, I was kind of thrilled because I didn't really want to go down the path of, you know, all these uh, naysayers in the real world saying, you know, all he did was destroy the whole city. He didn't do anything to help. He didn't help anybody. He didn't save anybody. He had a wrestling match in the middle of the city and killed everybody, uh, which was it was clear to me by several of the overhead camera shots that most of the city was still standing. And had the battle not happened the way it had happened more of the city may have been destroyed later on i mean he he put an end to it when he did in the part of the town where he did and yes there was destruction because he was fighting superpowered people but i like i love the idea of there being a statue built because not only did superman save the rest of metropolis most of metropolis from what i could see uh, but uh, also the rest of the world because mm. it was all going to be destroyed so i'm not really i'm not 100% sure why the mayor of metropolis is the one dedicating it um, unless he was thanking him for saving the city which we've seen happen in many different mediums you know he gets the key to the city mm-hmm. the mayor loves him the people love him and uh, it's very uh, it's very nice to see that kind of idea being included and i, I like I like that they're not going with everybody hates him. But on the flip side of that, we also have heard that um, it seems like people were defacing the statue in another mm, scene. That's right, yeah. We've heard that uh, a red swastika was um, was painted on the chest over the S symbol of the statue um, within the movie story. You know, people... <laughs> People accidentally or in- incorrectly thought that uh, our report on this was that someone in the public had gone and defaced the statue. And But no, it's actually in the story of the movie, uh, part of the film, that uh, there's some anti-Superman uh, elements within the, uh, the public uh, who uh, defaced the, the statue and um, aren't happy that Superman has you know, been recognised in this way, thinking him to be a threat and a menace. And um, I'm thinking maybe Lex Luthor might be behind some of those kinds of, uh, that, you know, that, uh, that, that movement. Well, I'm wondering if he's going to have any kind of a political presence, not so much that he's going to be in politics, but um, having things like press conferences and speaking to the media and kind of speaking out about what went on and, and that he may actually kind of create that kind of behavior by his own paranoia and by trying to get, uh, you know, people to think of Superman in that in that manner. And also it, 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 it does then make a little more negative out of what I was saying before about the greatness of the statue and the fact that the people are honoring him and they do think of him as a hero. Now we seem to have to have both sides of the coin, and that is that we're going to have people that do think of him as a menace and do think of him as not so much of a hero and do blame him for, and it may very well be people who lost family members in the battle who uh, have had, you know, lost their homes and, and things of that nature. Mm. And, 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 you know, you, you've seen that kind of thing in comics too. Um, Superman as fast as he is and as capable as he is, can't be at every single happenstance of, uh, someone having something bad happen to them. That's right. Uh, 
but but the but the people don't always recognize that and 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 you know when you're when you're taking things very personally and when it hits you very close to home you tend to look for someone to blame and of course in a sequence of events that happened that were so grand and this grand entrance of the superhero uh, it would be very easy to say, well, why didn't he? Why didn't he stop them from hurting me? If, if, if he's such a great hero, so I could certainly see there being naysayers. I just hope, hopefully, they don't take it to too much of an extreme where it's half and half or something. I mean, mm-hmm. it seems like the the reasonable people, and probably also the people who weren't hit very close to home, do see him as a hero and do say, well, I wasn't hit because Superman was there. Imagine what would have happened if he wasn't there. And then mm-hmm. you have the other people saying, well, well, he was here and look at me. Look at what happened to my family. And, you know, so I could see that. I mean, it's realistic. Yeah. And, you know, plus there are people who who might, you know, say say that all this stuff happened because of him being here. It's only because of him being here that these Kryptonians, you know, came to Earth. So if he wasn't here, you know, we would be okay. And it's that whole, you know, story of does Superman's presence in Metropolis, you know, bring all these crazies, uh, to, you know, to Metropolis because of him being there. They want to test themselves against him or whatever. So where if he hadn't been there, would Metropolis have been left alone by all these uh, crazy you know, villains? But... Um, that's that's one of those arguments that's you know you, you you end up being on one side or the other, and uh, hopefully reasonable you know minded people would uh, would fall on the side of well you know he's here to protect us it's it's not his fault if these villains keep popping up all over the place um, you know he but he is there to stop them uh, and at, at every turn so uh, it's an interesting discussion and it'll be interesting to see how much of that theme is played out in the upcoming film. Um, and we do know that Lex Luthor is involved in the movie. We have now seen LexCorp, the, the logo of uh, the building that uh, his headquarters, his, his offices, has been uh, seen and filmed and, and also photographed uh, there in Pontiac, Michigan, across the road from the Michigan f- uh, film office there where they're headquartered for this film. Uh, helicopters uh, and rumours about what Lex Luthor's hairdo might look like. It's interesting to everyone, I'm sure, when they hear about Lex Luthor's hair, because the first thought is, well, he's Lex Luthor doesn't have hair. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it sounds like he's going to have um, kind of a rakish-looking long hair. Uh, not super long, but uh, not short, not particularly well-kempt, and maybe blondish or uh, or reddish, mm. which, which I guess is in league with um, Smallville and comics and... The idea that uh, at one point or at some time or another, Lex Luthor had red hair. You know, in the comics during the return of Superman, uh, there was a Lex Luthor uh, a body that was cloned and he came into the scene as Lex Luthor II, but he really, and in, in, in of course, comic books can only do this. He had his brain or his essence transferred into the body and that body That's was, not real? Had, uh, well, uh, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to burst your bubble, Steve. Oh, so whatever you think is, you know, what it is. Uh, and he had reddish, long reddish hair, so they might be taking a little bit of a cue from that while not going the whole route. And uh, I guess uh, people have expectations that uh, many of these scenes are are taking place during the beginning of the movie. So maybe we'll see Lex Luthor bald by the end. I. I don't know that we have anything to go on by that, but certainly uh, you would think we would get to that at some point. Yeah, you would hope so. I mean, Lex is 
recognizable by the fact that he is bald. I mean, that's that's his thing. Um, so you know, not to have a, a, a Lex Luthor bald at some stage in the film would be um, well, it wouldn't be Lex Luthor in my opinion. I mean, we've seen Lex have hair in other past films. You know, Gene Hackman had wigs on at you know various uh, times of the film. Uh, so did Kevin Spacey in Superman Returns. So it was a thing that they, you know, that they played with, but um, where he didn't always have hair on, uh, he, you know, he wasn't always bald in the film, whether it was wigs or not. But uh, to go with this, uh, this angle of him, you know, having reddish or blondish hair to start the movie and him, you know, thinking he's God's gift to the earth and, and possibly being, uh, you know, anti-Superman because of the fact that, you know, here he is, he thinks he's a godlike person and yet he come along, comes along a real godlike person uh, being uh, in the form of Superman, and then obviously Lex is going to be uh, at odds with this character, and so uh, I like that kind of aspect of uh, Lex thinking, you know, he is the be-all and end-all, and uh, finds himself not at the top of the pecking order, and uh, wants to bring this uh, person down a peg or two. So uh, I like that aspect of it. I like Lex to be that kind of in-your-face uh, character, you know, in the public eye. Um, I don't. You know, I, I never really liked the underground Lex Luthor who was, um, you know, uh, just a villain. I, I like the fact that this is a business mogul, that, you know, he's, he's uh, at the top of his game. He's a young, brash kind of uh, guy who's just uh, arrogant but uh, thinks that everything he does is good and that nobody should question him. I'm completely with you on that. I mean, the Gene Hackman slash Kevin Spacey Lex was kind of a joke, you know. Um, it was so important to him that he have hair, that he wore dumb wigs, and he had all these heads with wigs on them. And, mm. and you know, Lois stumbles onto the boat and Superman returns and realizes it's Lex's boat because she sees all the heads with wigs. And uh, I've never really thought of Lex as being all that interested in whether he had hair or not. Um, he has always been bald. You know, there were time. you know, we've heard different types of origin stories about how he lost his hair, when he lost his hair, but it never comes up in the, I mean, he does not, he never cries about being bald. He never goes to doctors and tries to get hair. Mm -hmm. It's not something that he is um, uh, self-conscious about. He doesn't care. He's so confident and so, and so believes himself to be the best he can be, that, that the, the best humanity can be, that, that it, it doesn't matter to him that he doesn't have hair. So I really hope that they don't, that they don't make him a whining kid who loses his hair and then blames it on Superman. I, I've always felt that that origin about the hair is very silly and, and kind of immature and childish. And, and I would just hate to see him like holding tufts of his hair, screaming, Superman, <laughs> uh, I don't really want to go that road. So, I, I mean, I really hope they don't. Die. I would much rather him have hair forever than than see them go down that that road. Um, so I'm not sure how they're going to do it, why it's going to happen. The fact that he's going to have hair at the beginning leads me to believe that there will be some event that causes him to lose his hair that he will then blame on Superman, which is unfortunate because I don't I don't think we necessarily need that impetus for him to 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 be against the idea of a Superman. No, it does seem a little bit hokey. I mean, it was part of the uh, origins of Lex Luthor, you know, back uh, you know in the in the early days of comics where. 
um, when they were at Smallville, um, you know, an experiment that Lex was doing in his, you know, in his little laboratory there went wrong and uh, Superboy came in and blew out the flames, but in doing so, the chemicals spilt onto Lex. And while Superboy did save his life, all Lex saw was the fact that he'd made him bald because he'd ruined um, his, you know, his experiment. Lex couldn't see that he actually, you know, saved him. But uh, that does seem like a bit of a hokey um, idea in this day and age. But, um, you know, it, depending on what kind of Lex Luthor we see, you know, if this guy is so uh, enamoured of himself and so caught up in his appearance then it could be something that would be, you know, um, part of his hatred towards Superman. But you would think early on, the fact that he already doesn't like Superman, that would probably just be an extra little thing to, to add on if it did pan out that way. Uh, but uh, moving on, we, we know uh, that uh, Tao Okamoto, uh, a, uh, an actress who was in the Wolverine film um, of Japanese uh, origins, is playing a character in in this upcoming uh, Batman v Superman film. We didn't know what that character was. The press release that came out just said it was a, a new character created for the film. Um, but there are some rumours out there that she could be playing a character called Mercy, which is uh, Lex Luthor's bodyguard, assistant, whatever you want to call it, uh, which uh, harkens back to Mercy Graves from the comic books. I am thrilled about this development, although anybody could have said this, so it could have come from anywhere. Mm. And the idea that she's there, and uh, I don't know if she has some fighting training or if she's done some martial arts stuff. Uh, I can't remember. I remember her role in Wolverine, but I can't remember if she fought or if she had martial arts abilities or, or what her deal is. Mm. But in terms of her as an actress, if she's been trained in martial arts and things, that could be where that that idea came from. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love this because I always love when they use characters from the comics and I always hate when they create new ones. Um, as as beautiful and sexy as Valerie Perrin was as uh, Miss Tessmacher, it always irked me that they were underground and they were goofy and that they made up this character and that there were so many different characters they could have used. And, and, and in this case, if, if she's playing Mercy, or there is a mercy at all, I'll, I'll be I'll be jumping out of my chair. <laughs> so yeah, it's great when they do nods to characters like that from the comic books and from past stories. Uh, you know, it would be it would be nice to to see that pan out. So we wait and see if that is indeed true. Uh, we wait for uh, some confirmation of that. There was also some talk that uh, Holly Hunter, uh, who again was in that same press release as being uh, part of the film, but had not necessarily been cast as a, a character that we particularly knew about from previous stories, but there uh, is word that she may be playing a U.S. senator uh, in the film, um, which uh, I guess is neither here nor there, not knowing just how much of a role she'll play in the film, but uh, it, uh, it could be interesting. Well, there is one rumour going around that Lex has an inter interaction with this uh, congresswoman, uh, where Lex seems to embarrass or be very disrespectful to her on his way out of the meeting. So, um, again, uh, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, of course. I mean, I thought when it, when it, when it was first announced that, that she was cast, my, you know, my thinking was, well, may, what if she's like a Luthor's mother, like a dying <laughs> uh, or a, a flashback to his mother or something along those lines because... Uh, she's certainly old enough with uh, Eisenberg being in his 20s and her being in her 50s that she could 
certainly play that type of a role, but uh, she could be anything. Mm. And of course, this new rumor of her being um, a a senator, I think it would be more, much more meaningful if she played a role like like Lex Luthor's mother. I mean, some random senator that he insults seems beyond uh, the need to cast somebody like Holly Hunter. But uh, maybe she does something much more important later on, or 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 maybe that's entirely untrue. I I, I don't know, but mm-hmm. um, I would think that this senator would have to have a very important, uh, not largish role, but meaningful role yeah, in order role. for it to draw somebody like, like Holly Hunter. Mm, for sure. Now, uh, in, in addition to some of those rumours, we've seen lots of photos coming out from the, uh, from the area of, of Michigan. We've seen uh, lots of military and emergency vehicles. Uh, we've seen uh, news vehicles, uh, just lots of happening. There's been rumours of a, a military scene being filmed. We haven't had any photos from that, but um, lots of vehicles being used, lots of, uh, you know, Metropolis and Gotham uh, news vehicles out there. It's, uh, it's all very exciting to see these, uh, you know, cars and vans and trucks uh, in position for filming. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's great to see uh, the names of the cities on the vehicles. I like when they try to add that realism. I can't remember that being done with the original Superman films. I kind of just remember cop cars in general, generic ones. Mm -hmm. And I know that the city of Metropolis looked a lot like New York, and I don't think they really went out of their way to design anything specific that would be Metropolis. And you also mentioned the military, and that reminds me, of course, of all the military heroes that were lost in the movie, you know, uh, Colonel Hardy and or General mm-hmm. Hardy and, and uh, also uh, the Emil Hamilton, who yep. I think there was a story in the comics where Emil actually got lost in the Phantom Zone, and when he came back, he was a villain. I somehow don't remember that happening. I don't know what villain he was. I don't know if this is a nod to that or if they're going to go back to it at all, but I would like to see, and of course we don't have a fortress, but I'd like to have them show Superman uh, in his thinking side, his scientific side, the idea that he's just a brawler. We saw plenty of that in Man of Steel. We saw plenty of brawling. How about some thinking in this? How about we see him kind of say, you know, we lost some people into the Phantom Zone, and the Phantom Zone doesn't kill you, so maybe I can get them back. You know, maybe he can look into that, delve into that, see if he can find anybody that may have survived. That's something like that I think would be a nice touch, would show that side of Superman and, and would show people that aren't really in the know with the comics that he does that kind of stuff and that he knows that kind of stuff. He's not just a fast guy who can fly and punch things. Mm, yeah, he uh, in the comics, Emil Hamilton ended up being the villain called Ruin uh, who had like a mask type thing and no one knew who was behind the mask. Um, wasn't a great way for Emil to, to go out, but... Uh, that was the story that uh, you're referring to there. Okay, well there it is. I, I don't. So I do remember Ruin. I don't know if I, maybe I never read the end of it. Maybe I got sick of it, or I don't know exactly what happened. <laughs> but somehow I lost that part of my brain that remembers that story. But uh, anyway, exciting to see all these great pictures and, and great things going on. You know, yeah. I'm just uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing what what, what comes next. Yeah, exactly. So uh, lots of lot great things. Coming out, and from those vehicles that were uh, seen in in and around the filming, uh, the Metropolis and Gotham News vehicles uh, had website addresses on them that um, we now know that Warner Brothers has actually registered those domain names, and uh, is uh, they're not working at the moment. Both of them, one is news8metropolis.com, and the other is gotham13live.com. 
uh, as seen on the vehicles that we've mentioned that photos were taken of. Uh, we may, I guess, see those websites used in some type of viral marketing campaign. Uh, they had other websites that they used for Man of Steel uh, along those lines. So I guess it's not outside of the realms of possibility for those websites to contain some kind of viral marketing or have some type of uh, extra content from the movie. Uh, with reports that are actually, you know, of the actual happenings of the film. Uh, but they were both registered in October last year. So there's been lots of planning uh, ahead of time for those particular websites. Yeah, it's going to be cool to see that because, of course, as you said, we had two years between Man of Steel and this, you know, the, the, the in story time, there's supposed to have been two years that passed. So maybe we can can see some of uh, some stories or some headlines about maybe what Superman has done in those intervening years that 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 would really convince the people who are unsure or still afraid of an alien threat that he really was a hero, you know, doing more down to earth things, uh, you know, helping uh, people that have their store robbed, that kind of thing, mm. cats from trees, you know, <laughs> this kind of <laughs> stuff that shows that he's a man of the people and that he's not just a guy who can um, wreck half the city in a brawl, uh, of course, not of his own doing. But uh, that that uh, he really is somebody that they can trust. So I'd like to see some of that go on on those. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's where things are at with uh, the upcoming film. Now, beyond that film, we had this rumored schedule. Uh, now, you in your Great Scott uh, video uh, of uh, the recent video uh, before this podcast, or probably after you know, one before this podcast. Um, was about uh, talking about the upcoming slate of films that are rumoured and regards to who, uh, you know, the reporter was about, you know, who uh, announced these, um, uh, this schedule. Now, before we get into what the schedule is, the website was nickyfink.com. And while, and you, you're right, we hadn't heard of this website before because it was new, but Nicky Fink was actually the creator and instigator of the website Deadline. Which is well renowned and well known. Uh, so uh, she has, you know, while not, uh, you know, not, most people won't know her name directly, uh, that's where nickyfink.com comes from. Okay, well, that's good to know. Um, means that it's not just some made up website that somebody just put out or a fan site or just somebody, you know. Um, it, but that still doesn't necessarily mean that that report is true. No. But it is interesting, uh, to say the least, if you haven't seen it. What uh, what movies do we have uh, coming up, supposedly? Yeah, well, supposedly after Justice League, which is in 2017, uh, so the report goes. Uh, well, after let's well, let's start at the beginning. Batman v Superman. We know May 6, 2016. Uh, then they say there's July 2016, Shazam, and then December 2016, Sandman, uh, then July 2017, Wonder Woman, December 2017, a Flash and Green Lantern team-up, and then uh, obviously we have in there uh, Justice League um, as well, which uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, was dated as May 5th, 2017. So uh, an interesting uh, slate of films. And then Man of Steel 2 in May 2018. Now, haven't I been saying all along that just because Superman is involved in a Batman v Superman and then in a Justice League movie, it doesn't say that he can't be in another standalone sequel 
after those films, there you have it. Well, it makes complete sense, really. Uh, why even looking at what Marvel has done, you know, the films that they have made have increased in profit, increased uh, viewer interest going forward with each one. And it just goes to uh, logic that when you team up all of the Avengers in one movie, that people who weren't even interested in some of them in the first place now say, oh, wow, that Thor looks pretty cool. Maybe I'll see the next Thor movie. And then you get more people from that. Same thing with Captain America. Same thing with uh, what's going to happen, I assume, with however they proceed with DC. When you see Batman and Superman team up, um, you'll want to see, you'll have a more, if you didn't see Superman because you weren't interested, if you didn't see Man of Steel because you didn't think it would be cool, when you see this movie, it should gain more fa- more people that want to go see the next time Superman's on screen. And, and the same thing goes for Batman. And then when you see Justice League, you're going to have a turnout that didn't go to see Man of Steel and that didn't go to see Batman, Superman, because they thought it was stupid or whatever. But they're going to go see this because everybody knows that the Justice League and everybody has been hearing about this for 10 years, 15 years, wondering when Justice League was going to come about. Avengers can do nothing but help because people have been saying, well, where's DC in all this? How come they can't get their act together and get Justice League on screen? So it's only going to increase each individual film's status and interest and therefore box office receipts, and we should see an explosion um, after Justice League of all of these heroes because people will be more interested in them at that point. Yeah, so uh, whether or not that's 100% true, that list of films, uh, you know, there have been other reports coming out saying, yeah, look, even Kevin Smith, who has an inside line there with Zack Snyder and, you know, the people at Warner Brothers, has come out and said that he believes it to be true, that it's on the money, so, uh, you know, if that is indeed their slate of films, what they've got coming up, it's very exciting. Um, you know, I, I'm not necessarily a massive... I don't, don't know much about Sandman. Um, you know, Shazam would be awesome. And there's, we do know that um, Dwayne Johnson, the, the Rock, has said that he's involved in a DC movie, that it, it's coming up. And there's a lot of speculation that he could end up being either um, Captain Marvel or Shazam, as they're calling him now, or... Uh, more likely, Black Adam, um, and that could be the movie that he's attached to. So uh, there, you know, there are rumours and there are speculation, but that's the slate of films that's been listed. And if so, it's very exciting. The next, you know, f- three, four, five years are, are going to be massive. As if you're a DC movie fan. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I mean, I just hope that they stay in the same vein of even if I wasn't a Dark Knight fan, a trilogy uh, fan of the Nolan trilogy, the same seriousness level, the same quality level of of those films and of Man of Steel. And hopefully none of these uh, films or characters will end up with the steel treatment Mm. or the, uh, you know, know, we get a silly Catwoman uh, Shazam movie. uh, It would just, it would be better not to do it at all unless you were really going to. And so when I I see a list like that and I see that two huge movies are supposed to come out in the same year only a year from now or a year from um, after Man of Steel and Batman team up uh, it makes me think well if that was really the case and they need all this post after effects stuff and they need all these years to get Batman Superman done wouldn't we be hearing about filming on Shazam wouldn't there be casting already done for them wouldn't they have to have the same lead in time for those movies and maybe not 
but it seems to me that that's a very um, uh, ambitious slate of films to not have anything set up yet, to not have a script, to not have characters, to not have casting, to not have filming going on, to not see the LexCorp building logo equivalent for those movies, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but they are a year further down the track than Man of Steel, than Batman v Superman. So, although Shazam is July that year, eh? July, May, June, July. So maybe, maybe towards the end of this year we might start seeing some stuff for that, I don't know. Um, you're right, it does, you would hope to be seeing some things, some, some, some announcements or some whispers other than uh, Dwayne Johnson, but uh, we'll, look, we'll wait and see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they're all the films are connected or not, if they're part of the same universe uh, as the Marvel films have been. Um, it'll, it, it, look, there's only good things can come of this. We just have to wait and be patient and hope that more details come out in the next few months, but it's uh, exciting times to be a DC fan. Yes, and of course we have another rumor, not just a slate of movies, but and we've been hearing about this for months, if not a year now, uh, that uh, Jason Momoa, most uh, people know him from Game of Thrones, uh, is supposedly going to be playing uh, Aquaman. Yeah, but he won't, he won't confirm it, will he? I mean, the reports came out that, you know, Jason Momoa he will play Aquaman and everybody's come out, you know, every, every other major news outlet has come out and confirmed it, but... When he was interviewed on Jimmy Kimmel Live the other night, he wouldn't confirm it. He just says, look, it's all rumours, but wouldn't it be exciting if it was true? Uh, and then he was shown on Twitter, posted a photo of himself holding a trident, but giving uh, the hand that's holding the trident, he's uh, got his middle finger up, giving everyone the bird. Uh, so it's a very interesting. I don't know if he's playing coy, if he's just building hype or what he's doing, but uh, the reports are that he is playing Aquaman in the upcoming films, whether he has a cameo in... Batman v Superman, and then hopefully it would also be in Justice League. Um, but he won't come out and absolutely confirm it. Well, if it is true, and if he is going to have this cameo, or if he's going to be in the movie in general as a character like Diana is, uh, it's going to be very difficult to keep that under wraps. And it's unfortunate because uh, back in the day, before days of internet and all that, we could be surprised by mm. uh, Patrick Stewart showing up at the end of Robin Hood Men in Tights as uh, as the king uh, and, and hearing his voice but not seeing him until he gets there on the horse. And then and you go, wow, that's Patrick Stewart. That's awesome. You could be surprised by a cameo. These days, it's I, I believe it's going to be very difficult to surprise us really with anything they try and do. Yeah, very true. Uh, it's the day and age of the... The information uh, age, and unfortunately that means spoilers, spoilers, and more spoilers. Uh, as far as upcoming films are concerned, uh, it's very hard to, to remain spoiler-free uh, in a job like we have. Uh, it's our job to report on all the spoilers, so, um, you know, it's, it's a, I guess, a double-edged sword. On one hand, you want to find out as much about the movie as you can, but on the other... You don't want to have everything spoiled before you actually sit in the cinema and theatre and watch the movie itself because, uh, like with what happened with Superman Returns, I felt like I'd seen most of the film. I just didn't know what order they went in. Yeah, that's very true. All right. Uh, now, the only other thing connected with uh, the Batman vs. Superman movie is this walk-on role that was auctioned off. Uh, it was a fundraising uh, night at the uh, Detroit Zoo. Uh, it was called uh, Sunset at the Zoo. It was a fundraiser to raise money for the Detroit Zoological Society. And they auctioned off a walk-on role, an unspecified role, for the film. And it went for $3,500. 
Hmm. I'm a little disappointed by that amount. I mean, uh, I would have been disappointed if it went for $35,000. This, to me, kind of could be taken as a uh, interest level in the movie um, amongst people and especially fans who are going to be the ones who are interested in that kind of thing. Um, And there are rich fans, believe me. Uh, uh, I'm often surprised that we don't get more listeners and more viewers for our the things we do on the Superman homepage, being that there must be 20 million at least Superman fans in the world. So why don't we have 20 million hits? Same thing here. Why did this go for so cheap? If I had known that it was going to go for this amount, I would have thought about trying to get a loan. Yeah, but did you know about it? Because I didn't know about it. I hadn't heard. I didn't hear about this until after the fact. And, you know, if I'm sure if we'd promoted it about this auction, this role being auctioned off, I think it probably would have gone for higher. I, mean, I don't know if any site that had reported on it previous to the okay, actual I'm, event. So I'm I disappointed was under- that they didn't announce it beforehand so that we could have helped them. I was under the impression that that we had heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I maybe we didn't. I thought maybe I. Uh, and the only place I would have heard of it was uh, was through you and through the site. But uh, uh, in that case, then then it's poor marketing because mm. if they're trying to raise money for any kind of a cause, you got to know about it in order to uh, to auction or, or donate. I mean, maybe it was a maybe it was a secret event and and only people who were invited were there and and maybe everybody in the crowd was. Uh, bidding and it just went for 3500 I don't know. You would think that there would be people with more money who cared about animals that would want to be in this movie specifically, not just random people who are going, ah, yeah, it'd be kind of fun to be able to walk on in some random movie uh, that have no interest in the movie and are just uh, putting up the money. Uh, but you would think it would have gotten larger than that if they would have uh, made sure that that everybody was able to be involved. And with the internet, as we were just talking about, you don't need to be invited to a special event. You could bid from home. You know, you could be involved. And I would think that uh, they would have raised more money. Yeah, well, I'm agreeing. I I don't think $3,500 is enough for that kind of a a role. But we hadn't heard about it beforehand, and I don't know of any other site that reported on it before the fact. Uh, Everyone just saw the tweet from the uh, Detroit Zoo itself after the fact. And so that's disappointing for them. I'm disappointed for them because I think they could have got more money and raised more funds for this cause uh, if they had promoted it better. Uh, I definitely would have uh, promoted it on the, on the website for them to, to get more money if indeed you could auction uh, or bid for it um, outside actually being at the event itself. Um, so that's another thing I don't know. So uh, anyway, good luck to that person. Uh, that's not a bad price for a walk-on role uh in the no. movie um it's not i feel that... like i heard about it though because i feel yeah. like i remember dismissing it as something that i couldn't possibly afford um not that i can afford thirty five hundred dollars but um i you know if i had known that it was uh, even within any kind of realm of affordability i may have looked into it further I, that's what i feel like but yeah. uh, well i don't have a report on the website other than the june 16th uh, announcement after the fact so um, that's all I knew about it. So if you'd heard it somewhere else, um, yeah, that's possible, but uh, it wasn't through us. So um, disappointing, I think, that we didn't get to hear about it beforehand. As I said, it could have raised more funds and maybe a, a, a real diehard fan could have uh, you know, got themselves that walk-on role uh, rather than just someone who was at the event and happened to put up their hand for that amount of money. Right, maybe. And maybe it is a fan. Who knows? But yeah. uh 
you know, the bottom line is that it's, it doesn't seem like that much money, and uh, uh, who knows why, but uh, maybe because it wasn't advertised, as you said. Okay, well, let's move into our comic book discussion and get into some of the latest happenings in the world of Superman comics, which have pretty much been taken over by the doomed saga that's uh, taking place across most of the main uh, comic book titles in the Superman family of books. Uh, let's start off with, uh, it was nearly a month ago now, Superman number 31, uh, in which uh, Superman, who's battling with this doomsday virus that's overtaking him and, and you know, uh, uh, threatening to take over his persona and he's fighting within himself to remain in control. He uh, submits himself to be imprisoned in the jail that Lex Luthor built himself and was once imprisoned in himself. But uh, it doesn't hold Superman for very long at all. And he uh, ends up escaping thanks to, or no thanks, to Lois Lane and whatever is going on with her and her inside head thing with Brainiac there. Yeah, it's a weird story. It's a very weird kind of situation, you know. Uh, <clears throat> somebody mentioned, uh, the reviewer uh, on our site uh, mentioned that the Adam Nationale w- would have been a better cover um, if they would have showed Lois and Superman in their tender moment as opposed to the one that they show where she's uh, green and, and taken over by Brainiac and, and attacking him. Uh, I don't really believe there was a tender moment. I It seemed to me when I read it, what I got was a setup from the beginning. What I got was Brainiac is in control of Lois and takes her in there. And the whole thing is her wanting to print these stories about Superman being bad, wanting to get the population against Superman in order to help Brainiac do whatever it is he's doing. And I don't believe anything she says is authentic at any point. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I don't think there's much of Lois going on within Lois at the moment. I think her articles are it seems spiteful and and there's no soft edge to what she's writing, even though Superman asks her to write these things to warn the public. Um, I definitely think there's an ulterior motive there behind what's being written and how it's being written. And, you know, the, the fact that she projects into him this knowledge of what's happening with the Titans so that he feels like he can't sit back, he has to escape and, and you know, go help them. Uh, it's just... It's all the machinations that are behind the scenes through Brainiac's involvement and um, control of what's happening with Lois. And no one else knew that she did that. It just looks like he went nuts and broke out of there. And she writes a story that he attacked her. And, uh, of course, they always put photos by Jimmy, and it (laughs) makes no sense because Jimmy's nowhere to be found. It's not like he's there to see all this. uh, when they, you know, they have these little opening pages where they uh, do a mock-up of the Daily Planet thing. Mm-hmm. We talked about this last month, but yep. if you're not reading, and and on it they have, uh, you know, story by Lois Lane where she's attacking Superman and slandering Superman all over the place, and then they have a picture of the inside story uh, where Jimmy couldn't possibly be, and somehow it says photos by Jimmy Olsen. But uh, I guess they're just trying to be cute, but. Um, it's a little silly because he couldn't be there. I think it's funny. At the end of the story, he reminded me more of Brainiac than of Doomsday or of Superman. Uh, not Brainiac, uh, Bizarro, uh, than than yeah. more that he did of Superman or Doomsday because he's like, I am help. Uh, I did help. Uh, whatever he says there, uh, he says, did I help? But it's it just uh, his face and the way his legs are. He almost looks like he's um, completely out of his mind and a little child and, and he's – 
uh, you know, <laughs> asking them if he helped, uh, much like uh, Bizarro would often yeah, do. I didn't think of that. Uh, good point. So that's where uh, Superman number 31 left off, and that takes us into Superman Wonder Woman number 9, in which uh, Wonder Woman goes seeking help from, I think you pronounce her name, Hesia, uh, who's, a heal, who's a healer, and uh, she's like... Wonder Woman's in the hopeful that she'll help her out by trying to heal Superman from the Doomsday Virus. But instead, her friend tries to kill Superman. And that's not a good thing because that just invokes the kind of danger element of, of the Doomsday Virus and uh, it puts Hesia in, 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 mortal, uh, in a mortal position. Yeah, and the same thing happens, I think it's in this very story, when he uh, finally agrees to go to space. Uh, <laughs> The, the Red Lanterns come, and, and he's, you can see that the, the, the armor has retracted, the, the spikes are kind of going away, his skin is turning back to a normal color, he's more in control again, yeah. and then they attack him from behind. Uh, we need to take him out, you know. He's going away to work on it, and then, of course, they bring it back uh, same way. So uh, I think at the point when Hesia attacks him, He's kind of beast. He's in that mode anyway, mm. um, and and but it's not helping. And of course, Wonder Woman is shocked uh, that that uh, Hesia kind of agrees to go help him, and then just uh, attacks him. Mm. Uh, and what did you uh, make of the uh, internal conversation between Clark and? Uh, I love that. I love that uh, Clark was the calm, peaceful. I'm going to figure a way out of this guy, and and that uh, the Doomsday Superman was arguing back with him. I, I, it reminds me of uh, things they did in Marvel when when Spider-Man was uh, taken over by Venom, when he was Black Spider-Man, and all that was happening. But mm-hmm. uh, I still like it here, and I always like to see Clark Kent as the voice of reason. It reminded me a lot of Superman three. Uh, when they separate and when Clark is, is the guy yeah. saying, you know, um, well, we're going to beat this thing and, and, and evil dark Superman is just making fun of him the whole time. Now, the uh, government does uh, do a stupid thing by firing a, uh, a well, well, I guess it's a kryptonite rocket that um, creates a kryptonite cloud above Earth, um, which is pretty stupid considering that its end result is that it makes the Kryptonian side of Superman weak, but the Doomsday side strong, or not, not weak? Well, they of course don't know that that's going to have that it's going to have that effect. No. But yeah, it ends up uh, really backfiring because the, 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 there's no way you're going to stop it. Uh, the only hope, uh, from what it seems like, the only hope is that Superman can regain control and figure it out himself. And, of course, everybody attacking him from behind, everybody uh, blowing up kryptonite clouds is just making the Superman part that's still in there uh, have a harder time fighting against the disease. Mm. So, of course, they don't know that. So it's difficult uh, for them to not do something when they when they think that uh, their only option is to do something quickly before it gets out of hand. Uh, And, of course, they make things worse. Now, obviously, that was in Action Comics number 32, which actually fits in between Superman number 31 and Superman Wonder Woman number 9, where uh, that that, uh, kryptonite uh, warhead is exploded and, um, you know, the, uh, the whole thing happens there. So with Senator Sam Lane... Uh, dif- officially declaring Superman to be an enemy of the state. Um, so that's uh, 
and then John Corbin set up, you know, set onto Superman, and Lois seems to be, you know, having this conversation with John, and you know, but and again, it's it's the Brainiac side of things that's manipulating everything, and um, it's uh, it's all part of uh, some greater story, I guess, we're going to see further down the line. Well, she's of course manipulating Corbin in in that he was interested in her mm. uh, years ago when the new fifty two when the new fifty two first started, and she wasn't interested back. But uh, here, uh, that part of her brain must be able to access the emotions and the feelings that she remembers that um, he was very interested in her and would probably do anything for her. And, of course, Brainiac and she use that to then uh, incite um, uh, John Corbin, and he goes out there and, and does what he does. And what's cool about this and what I like about this is that I think they might be rectifying the uh, the poor use of Metallo here and, and actually giving us uh, eventually uh, with the uh, with the accident that occurs at the end, uh, we might actually see a, an actual fusing of what he's wearing with his skin and, and, and maybe we'll actually get a uh, proper, what I consider a proper Metallo from this. That would be... That would be very neat. The other thing I wanted to mention was uh, the kryptonite thing in this very story. And I know over the 75-plus years of Superman, kryptonite has varied from whether it immediately knocks him down or whether it just kind of makes him weak and he can speed away or fly away or move out of the area or knock it out of someone's hand or uh, whatever. And as long as he's not near it too long, it doesn't kill him. But in some instances throughout the years, it kills him instantly, you know, or it knocks him to the ground instantly, or he falls unconscious right away, or he's immediately vulnerable. In this very story arc, we see a cloud of kryptonite covering the whole planet where he's still walking around and everything's cool. And earlier, we saw him enter that silo where the weird version of the Eradicator was, and he says in his internal monologue, oh my gosh, my powers are gone. The only thing that could do that is kryptonite. And it's green kryptonite, and, and he's saying my powers gone. He's not saying, I'm getting weak, I'm feeling sick, my stomach hurts a little. He's saying, gone, my powers. Uh, Kryptonite doesn't gone his powers. It makes him weak and eventually kills him. Yeah, and and diminishes his, his strength and his, you know, so it makes him weak, meaning that his powers are diminished, but not necessarily switched off. Over time, and he yeah. may eventually die, yeah. but you know, They're he not would still be switch. stronger than a normal human, yeah. you know, but again, uh, sometimes not. But usually it's in different times, not not in the same story or in the same, um, yeah, same. Year, you know, five years or so. I know <laughs> what you're saying. But again, and back to the metal, uh, the Metallo thing, they are still calling him Metal Zero. So that leads lends some credence to what you're saying about maybe getting a, po- a proper Metallo uh, from that story. Uh, it will be interesting to see if that does pan out and whether or not you have a sixth sense about this. Yeah. Well, it would be pretty neat. I would like that. It seems like that's what they're heading toward, although Jeff Johns has taken over the Superman story uh, writing uh, now, and it was his idea to make him a guy in a suit all the way back to Secret Origin, that five-part story uh, back in 2005, and he was Metallo. Uh, now he's, uh, as you say, he's called uh, Metal Zero or whatever, but it seems weird that at the time when they're going to be bringing Johns on, who came up with the idea of uh, kind of a useless guy in a suit uh, being was one of Superman's most powerful enemies is coming on to the title just when it looks like they're going to make him into regular Metallo. But maybe they're not. I don't know. Maybe they're not. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Superman number 32 is the, the issue that Jeff Johns takes over. Uh, will be out 
by time you're listening to this, so uh, we'll be discussing that issue in our next podcast. Uh, so, okay, let's move on to outside the doomed story with Supergirl number 32, which kind of ties in a little bit to the doomed story because Supergirl uh, does come back to Earth and does have to deal with that kryptonite cloud herself when she's attacked by the original world killer. Yes, uh, this guy who says he's the first out of, you know, the, the other four that she faced, he's mm-hmm. the first. And he, of course, uh, is, as, is as Kryptonian as she is uh, because they were all created in a Kryptonian lab and mm-hmm. she, of course, doesn't believe them. And we see more rage and more fighting and more uh, <laughs> <Supergirl>. <laughs> laying things down. Uh, she apparently kills him, but then not because he's um, a different sort of entity altogether. Yeah, and he's trying to take over Supergirl's body because he says with her abilities and her red lantern ring that uh, he'll be able to destroy the Earth. So a very uh, moustache-twisting kind of villain in this this story. Uh, Not much to it, not really much depth to it, uh, but it is interesting to see that Supergirl is trying to get rid of the red lantern ring, uh, although she was supposed to go off uh, to Mogo to find a being who can remove that Red Lantern ring without killing her, uh, which supposedly happens in Red Lantern number 32, but you wouldn't know that because as of this recording, Red Lantern number 32 hadn't come out yet. It's actually due out this Wednesday that this is uh, being released, this podcast. So Supergirl number 32, which is, comes after Red Lantern's number 32, was published before Red Lantern's number 32. So it's one of those crazy things that happens with publishing there at DC Comics, which is annoying because um, you're getting story out of uh, out of uh, continuity. Yeah, they they seem to have difficulty uh, with their continuity and with their crossovers. Uh, yeah, crossovers with and continuing to try and tell stories that are out of order, even though uh, it shouldn't be that difficult. And I realize people get held up. Things things. You know, uh, unforeseen things can happen or whatever, but it's it, it's definitely very confusing as a reader. Now, I had decided not to read the Red Lantern story anyway, so I was really just relying on them telling me what, what happened. Anyhow, and that's what they did. So it, it didn't matter, I guess, from that point of view. But if you are trying to read the story, uh, I would imagine it's uh, pretty frustrating. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, where Supergirl is at at the moment. And then we move on to Superboy number 32. Uh, in, uh, and we're getting towards the end of Superboy's run. I think it ends with 34. Uh, and it's uh, Superman up against uh, a number of uh, some older... Well, Rose Wilson, definitely one of the villains that he's uh, come across before. Leash and Hammersmith, the two others. And um, Superboy seems to be trying to redeem himself in some ways, I guess. Well, tr- the writers are trying to redeem the character in some ways, in these last final issues. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Um, You know, he's been a murderer. He's been devious. He's been uncaring of who gets in his way. I understand that his mission has been to uh, get rid of uh, uh, people with powers. Uh, What do you call them? Uh, uh, Metahumans. Metahumans in this world. And, and, And somehow save the human race. But at the same time, 
he's not saving them in a particularly heroic way. And, and if he needs to kill humans or trick humans or hurt humans in order to get to his goal, he's been doing that. Now suddenly, uh, since saving uh, uh, Nika or whatever her name is from the parasite, it almost seems like he's done a complete turnaround with no actual character motivation whatsoever just because they wanted to. Maybe because the story is ending and they don't want him to end evil. I don't know. Um, but it's very, very strange because to me, I'm going, well, that's nice of him to do considering he's an evil bastard. Uh, I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Yeah, I don't know whether or not the, the memories or the, the connection that he's, he's now finding that he has with Connell uh, is, is maybe changing his uh, opinions of things because he realizes you know, that it doesn't have to be the way he thought it had to be. I'm hoping that it's spelt out and 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 made clear before the uh, title is cancelled with uh, its 34th and final issue, uh, because I'd like to see it finish off on a good note. Yeah, that would be uh, awful nice. <laughs> awful nice. Using now that awful. that book was uh, cover marked August, and I thought September was the final issue, but that would mean that uh, we're going to October. Hmm. True. Maybe it's. June, July, I don't know. Um, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But um, 34, I'm pretty sure, was the, the final issue uh, that was announced for Superboy to conclude. Okay, let's move away from our comic book talk and just elsewhere beyond comics and movies. Um, the Superman celebration took place in Metropolis, Illinois on the 12th to 15th of June. And uh, everybody seemed to have a great time. Uh, have to shout, give a shout out and thanks to Ken and Cindy Sills, who hosted our Superman homepage meet and greet for us this year. First time the two of them have done it for us, and they did a great job by all accounts. Uh, and Ken was uh, even uh, savvy enough to put up a live stream video for us so that we could enjoy it if we weren't able to attend, which obviously you and I weren't able to get there this year. But uh, it uh, sounded like everyone had a good time and uh, totally enjoyed themselves, and it was a great success once again this year. Yeah, it's a great time there. I mean, I've only been there once, and uh, I was a little turned off this year after I heard about the Dean Cain uh, you know, autograph charge and all that. Mm. Um, but I wasn't going to go anyway because I didn't have the money, and it just wasn't the right time for me. But uh, I definitely want to get back again, and, and all these meet and greets with the different groups and the different fans uh, definitely make it a special experience that you don't get uh, when you go to, say, a regular Comic-Con where you're just one person in a million. Mm, you seem to be echoing the sentiments of my uh, recent Big Blue report. I do. I was inspired by it. I actually, uh -huh. uh, if you haven't read it, it's very, uh, very good read. It brought a tear to me eye. <laughs> to be sure, to be sure. Uh, no, but uh, it is one of those events that you do have to attend just to feel like you're part of a family because, as you say, you go to other conventions and, yeah, there are other fans uh, you know, there, but this is specifically for Superman fans. It's really enjoyable. Uh, I really missed being there this year, having um, you know, hung out with uh, Ken and, and uh, Kenny Richardson and uh, his Uncle Mike and all the, others, you know, the other guys and girls that are hanging around the Superman celebration, all the, the super friends of Metropolis at you really do feel like part of a family when you go there, and you, you know, and you should just introduce yourself to anybody and everybody because uh, you're all like-minded people, and it's definitely uh, a worthy, you know, thing to to enjoy with other people rather than just kind of mope around on your own, hoping to enjoy stuff individually. 
uh, become part of the group and hang out with other people and, and you know, go to events that are outside the, the scheduled events, you know, hang out at the hotels and, and um, you know, ha have poolside chats with people and go bowling and all these kinds of things that aren't necessarily part of the actual events that are on the schedule but are still much so much part and parcel of what's so enjoyable about going to the four-day festival there in Metropolis, Illinois, in the second weekend of June every year. Well, I still, uh, I still get a, uh, an occasional postcard or a package or a letter from uh, Stephanie Perrin. Mm. Uh, uh, just uh, echoing what you're saying that, uh, you know, and I, 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 haven't, I haven't really taken the time, as I should, to answer her back. Uh, I, I, for a while, I think we were, we were uh, in contact on Facebook a bit. I don't know if she's on there anymore. But again, uh, people reaching out when they don't need to, you know, mentioning my daughter and my wife and how yeah. great it was when we were there and just hoping we can come back sometime. And, and it's just great. You know, people miss you and think of you. And uh, it's rare, I think, where you get that kind of a, a reception and a desire to see you again. Yeah, it's very cool. So that's the Superman celebration done for this year and uh, a lot of videos and photos up on the website, on Facebook. So check them all out if you're thinking about going next year. Um, it's a definitely a worthwhile event to go to. Okay, the only other thing I wanted to mention before we move into our big question segment of the show was this, uh, this study that was done about how certain um, students found, well, the study found that they performed better wearing a Superman T-shirt in their exams uh, and felt stronger and better about themselves um, than those who didn't. And it was just to read off the results, students who were put through mental ability tests and found that those wearing plain T-shirts gained an average of 64%, compared with those in a Superman T-shirt who scored an average of 72%. What do you make of mm. this? I, my first thought when I hear a study like this is, isn't there anything scientists can be doing that might be <laughs> like cancer. curing cancer or something? Whether they're uh, putting T-shirts on kids and seeing whether their test scores improve. Uh, I guess it's uh, interesting. I, Social I don't, study. I don't know um, if it really means what they're trying to what, – what we're trying to infer from that. Uh, that it means. I mean, I wear Superman shirts all the time, and, and I'm one of the least accomplished people <laughs> you'll ever meet. So I don't know um, what that means exactly. And, well, just and, imagine and most... how bad you would be if you hadn't worn one. Oh, can you imagine? I'd be a freaking, <laughs> I'd be a snail. I'd be crawling in the dirt somewhere. Uh, I mean, from what I can tell, most young people and people going to school these days really have a vague idea of who Superman even is. So I'm not really sure that a Superman shirt in and of itself would bring any type of extra curricular ability. But uh, apparently this study says otherwise. I, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I guess it's probably a study of, you know, what you wear, you know, helps just your, pers your um, personality as far as your self-belief um, you know, your, your attitude towards yourself, you know, people who wear bright clothes might have a brighter personality or might be the opposite. Brighter personality, people wear brighter clothes, I don't know, but I guess it's a, an interesting study in, you know, does what you wear affect the way you act? And well, I know they often say, you know, when kids, uh, they, kids who go to a school where a uniform is required, uh, school's taken more seriously mm, and, 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 serious. and test grades are better and they learn better because they're not preoccupied with 
looking different or looking better or looking the way people think they should look. Everybody has to look the same. But as far as wearing a Superman T-shirt, I'm not even sure how that applies to that same idea. Yeah, well, interesting study. So uh, I just thought it was uh, worth discussing and uh, the psychology the department there and the University of uh, Hert- Hetf- Hertfordshire, I'm guessing it was a, a UK study. Uh, yeah, it was announced by the Telegraph uh, UK use- newspaper. So um, interesting uh, study there. And um, it's, uh, you know, when wearing a Superman T-shirt, the students rated themselves as more likable and superior to other students. I don't know if that's ah. necessarily... Uh, what we want people to to think of themselves when associating themselves with Superman, but uh, interesting study nevertheless. Interesting indeed, but I think we should move on to the big question. Let's start with the big question. Last Last month's question. Sorry, you go for it. Go ahead. Oh, no, you, please. (laughs) Last month's question was, what do you think of the title, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice? Uh, Donovan Hunter wrote in, I think it's a unique title, despite it sounding like a court case with a subtitle. I like that it leads into the next film, Justice League. Yeah, good good thoughts there, Donovan. Uh, The Dawn of Justice definitely does make it feel like a prequel to Justice League, so uh, interesting thoughts there. Now, Hector... He writes in, says, I love it. Could It could mean many things, either the prequel for Justice League or Batman getting justice for the damage Superman caused in Man of Steel. Mm. Mm. Martin Gray wrote, the title's fine. It has the name of both heroes and nods toward the Justice League angle. Given it was meant to be a Superman sequel, I'm surprised they're so blatantly putting Batman's name first. But there you go. The title's not going to affect whether I see the film or not. Yeah, again, it comes back to was it really meant as a Superman sequel or was it meant as a Justice League prequel? Uh, just using the Superman film as a uh, stepping stone, as a, as a basis. But uh, I guess we've argued that one to death. Oh, but yeah, I, uh, probably we have. I don't like saying the title, I know that. I just read it out loud and it's very cumbersome. Yeah, I guess we've just referred to it as Batman v Superman mostly, uh, using the whole Dawn of Justice end to it. Although I'd like to start calling it Dawn of Justice more because uh, I don't like saying Batman's name first either. But uh, anyway, it's one or the other. Uh, Mike Myers, he wrote in saying, I hate it. I would understand the title if this movie was going is coming after the movies, The Dark Knight. The Man of Steel movie is the most recent powerhouse to hit theatres, so Big Blue should have front billing, not to mention Christian Bale didn't come back. I would be satisfied if the title is, Dawn of, is just Dawn of Justice or Superman v Batman. Yeah, I guess it comes back to that whole legal thing of is it like a legal title where the first person is the complainant and therefore the person uh, who has a grievance against the second party and that's why it's titled that way. Otherwise, they would have used the VS as versus rather than just the V. Yeah, uh, as we've covered before, I mean, that could be what it is. I, I think also with the V there, it's just it's very hard to say. You know, if it was versus which I don't want anyway, but at least it would roll off the tongue better. Uh, stopping to say just a single letter seems to stop the whole progress of what you're trying to do. But Arjun L. wrote in, Steve uh, Steve V. Scotty, Sunrise of the Big Question, about the title Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice. I think Warner Brothers heard that everything sounds better as a haiku. <laughs> Very creative. <laughs> We have our own little title there. That's cool. Yeah, Sunrise of the Big Question. Nice. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Uh, what is our new big question for this show? Well, we didn't have too many respondents on last month's question. Let's hope we have those and more on this one. What is your position regarding spoilers for the upcoming movie? Do you want us to post them? Do you want them? Uh, do you want to remain spoiler free? Should spoilers be hidden or shown? Yeah. How do you want us to treat spoilers for Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice at the Superman homepage? Uh, what's your stance on spoilers? Do you like to see them? Do you expect to see them? Uh, let us know how you'd like us to uh, to move forward with uh, spoilers for the upcoming film or just how you feel about spoilers in general uh, across the internet. Uh, you can get involved with the Big Question uh, segment of our show by clicking on the Big Question button found at the, our website and you can send in your entry which Scotty and I will read out or you could use uh, an, a program to record yourself as an audio file and we will play your audio answer here on Radio KAL. Mm, very nice. It's time for our Superman comedy sketch of the month. What do we have, Steve? Well, we have uh, a sketch from Saturday Night Live. Now, it was a visual sketch. Uh, it's called Superman's Funeral. But uh, we think it still works pretty well as an audio sketch uh, without the visuals. So um, we'll leave it to your imagination to fill it in. Or maybe you've seen it so you can uh, visualize what's happening as you listen to Superman's Funeral as put together by the crew of Saturday Night Live. and Superman's pal. Don't be silly. Of course we know you. Jimmy, it's a terrible thing. I know, I'm just kind of numb. But it's Miss Lane I'm worried about. We'll talk later. Lex, do you see the Hawks over by the Teen Titans? <laughs> Certainly. Right this way. <laughs> Aquaman. Glad you could make it. I brought some shrimp. <laughs> if you need anything else, kelp, seaweed, anything, you just name it. Thanks so much. Hello, Flash, Green Arrow. I mean, Green Lantern. I'm sorry, I'm just barely keeping it together. Tell me about it. Life is so unfair. You know, Superman could do anything. He could fly, x-ray vision, super strength. All I can do is run fast. No, don't say that. No, 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 it's true. All I do is run fast. He could run as fast as me, but he never mentioned that in all these years. Sir, he's a real man. I like that. Uh, gentlemen, may I show you to your seats? Lex Luthor, what are you doing here? Well, it's a, it's a tragedy, a real tragedy. It's great loss, just a pity, just... Tragic. You don't mean that, do you, Luther? All right, you got me. I'm glad he's dead. I... <laughs> yeah, he was a worthy arch rival, and uh, I'm here to show my respect. But uh, I gotta tell you, I'm I'm happy he's gone. This this should be a great year for me. <laughs> right this way. Jimmy, they're about to start. Still no sign of Clark. No. <laughs> Sorry, Miss Lane. Looks like Mr. Kent's a no-show again. I... I bat bad. Thank you for, for coming. I, 
I said I wasn't gonna cry. That's fine. I was fine till about a minute ago. Huh? Nothing more important to Superman than his friends. And looking out at all your faces makes me realize I'm sorry. It's okay, Batman. <laughs> sorry, Mama. I can't help it. Oh, no. Here I go. When I see you cry, it makes me cry. <laughs> Stop laughing, Penguin. I'm not laughing. This is also how I cry. <laughs> Perry White would like to say a few words. Ray Caesar's ghost. For the first time in 30 years, I find myself at a loss for words. Great Caesar's ghost! <laughs> what can I say about Superman? He only called me chief once. I told him, don't call me chief, and he never did it again. <laughs> Great Caesar's ghost! I can't believe he's gone. Excuse me. Excuse me, this is a private service. Uh-huh, no, man, I'm Black Lightning. <laughs> Black Lightning? You know, Black Lightning, you know me. Me and Superman were like this. We was tight. You know, I had my own comic book back in the 1970s. Well, I'm the one taught him how to fly. Look, I'm sorry. I'm Superman's pal, and I've never heard of you. Come on, man. Black Lightning. I shoot electric charges, you know. That's Batman up there. He know me. Yo, Batman, what's up, man? It's me. All right, Mr. Lightning. Um, if it were up to me, it would be no problem. Eh? But, you know. Oh, it's like that, huh? It's like that? Yeah, I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to go. All right, man, why don't you eat some lightning bolts, Chuck? Ow! All right, get out! Hey, man, get off my case, Chuck! Hey! That stings! Now get out! Yo, Black Lightning! Uh, some people here from Marvel Comics, they come to pay their respects. Superman. Spider-Man, you want me to... Hulk, Hulk, go ahead. I... I wish I... Hulk not good with words. Hulk, write it down. Superman was that rarest of things. <laughs> Every superhero owes him a debt of gratitude and homage. His life was the superhuman expression of the noblest aspirations of man. And in death, he has become the ideal. Of my friend Superman, I can only say this. He was my hero. I, Hulk, just, Hulk, Hulk, just, 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 enough said. I just heard from the chief of police, the Legion of Doom is attacking the Metropolis Civic Arena. Right, Caesar's ghost! You know, I can't help thinking, this looks like a job for Superman. Okay, thank you, Jimmy. 
We're gonna have to try to carry on without Superman. You understand me, okay? Who can fly? Okay, get going. Anybody have super strength? Okay, great. Can anywhere, anyone here change the rotation of the Earth on its axis? Really? That's great. Come on, let's go. Let's do it for Superman. Clark Kent, where could he be? He's missing Superman's funeral. I always love those. I, uh, I there was a few uh, back in the day, and uh, you know it was at a time when Superman's popularity was much bigger. I, I think, and uh, everybody could kind of understand where they were coming from with a lot of their jokes, and everybody knew who Superman was. And uh, it's a good time. It's a good time. I, I always like those. All right, let's move into our super secret soundbite. Last month's sound came from the Super Best Friends Forever animated short titled Grounded. Three people guessed it correctly. Donovan Hunter, Mario Benese, and Frungi. Yeah, congrats to those three people for guessing that that sound came from that animated short. Uh, let's see if they can guess. Oh, actually, let's listen to that sound first so they can uh, relive that moment. You're supposed to be grounded, both figuratively and literally. Well, there you have it. That's the sound that those people guessed correctly. Now, let's see if everybody, well, those three people and more people, can guess where in the world of Superman this new sound comes from. To be honest, I'm not sure I've earned the right to wear this uniform, but I will. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, Use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL. Well, it's time for the Superman song, which is Superman by Down By Law from their 1996 album, All Scratched Up. Yeah, let's hear it now. Down By Law's Superman. Be the one, cause I wanna be, yeah, I wanna be 
Well, there you have it. That's the song. A bit of a grungy one for our podcast. Don't usually have that kind of uh, music here, but uh, we're uh, all across the board, all up and down the different types of music uh, that's out there that uses the word or the, the title or the, or the, the, uh, the lyric Superman. So uh, that was our song for this month. Now, I wonder how they differentiate all the titles of Superman. Like I've seen so many titles that are just Superman yeah. of songs. If you go to look up, yeah, I just want to hear the song Superman. How do you, how do you even figure out which one you want to hear or what one you're looking for? You're going to get a hundred different titles. Guess you got to use the artist's name as well, just to uh, clarify. If you don't know, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Maybe try to use some of the lyrics you heard from it. Uh, yeah, great. Uh, or use that app Shazam on uh, Shazam. Well, yeah, it. but you got to be hearing that song. Yeah, you got, true. Song has to be on for that to work, and yeah. nobody's playing any of these songs. But uh, well, yeah. oh well. Oh, well, one of those first world problems that we have. Yes, indeed. <laughs> very first world and very important problem. Now, our, uh, that is our show for this month. Uh, next month's podcast will be a little bit late. Um, I will be away in late July when our podcast would usually go up on the last Wednesday of the month. So uh, look for it in early August when we uh, get back together to record our next episode of Radio KAL. But that is our show for this month. Uh, remember, if you do have a song that you would like to suggest, uh, there's a big question you'd like us to post to the fans. Maybe you'd like to hear a particular comedy sketch. We're running pretty low on those. So give us some suggestions on that. Any ideas for this program can be sent in to us using the KAL feedback form found at our website. Or you can send an email to Scotty. His email address is scotty at supermanhomepage.com. Or you can email myself at steve at supermanhomepage.com and we'll try to use your ideas in an upcoming podcast. But for now, that is our show. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve, and thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, always look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. <laughs>